Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Will you uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel? And uh, we're going to take a break from our study through the Psalms this evening. Uh, because of our shortened time together, the next Psalm that we're going to look at is, is pretty long, and we'll have to break it up into a few sections anyway. But uh, I'd like to look at a passage tonight, 2 Samuel 6, 1 to 13, from the life of David. And I was, as I was reading through this scripture, a couple of weeks ago, I felt moved by God to share its truth with you and, and really to share its challenge for all of us to make sure that we know what God wants and that we do what God wants so that we can experience the joy that comes from both of those things being our consistent lifestyle. Um, you know what pragmatism is? It's not a word you probably use. Uh, all the time. It's a philosophy, so that's probably why we don't know much about it. Um, but it has a confusing, wordy definition. I'll try to concisely clarify its basic meaning for you. Um, being that it's a philosophy, it just means it's a way of thinking. It's a way human beings think, um, and it's idea. And do ideas matter? Yeah, they do, because uh, they're never just ideas. They always result in choices and then eventually actions. But pragmatism is a way of thinking that becomes a way of living where um, the end justifies the means. Uh, a goal or achievement is identified, but how we reach that goal or achieve that result doesn't really matter as long as we get there. That's what pragmatism holds to. Now let's see what the Word of God says about that way of thinking and that way of living here in 2 Samuel 6, verses 1 to 13. It says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ayo, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps, on psalteries, on timbrels, and on cornets, and on cymbals. And when they came to Knock on threshing floor. Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord has made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because the ark of God. 
So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so, and when they bear the ark of the Lord, that when they bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fat lates. So at the beginning of this passage, we find David with a very passionate motivation. David has the right goal. He desires to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and had been in the possession of a man named Abinadab for 20 years. It was way back in 1 Samuel chapter 7 that we learn how it got there. Long before David was king, even before Saul was king, uh, Eli, the priest, his two wicked sons thought that bringing the Ark of the Covenant into battle would work something like a magic charm or, or talisman and help Israel be victorious over the Philistines. That did not happen. Uh, That's not what God designed the Ark of the Covenant for. And Israel lost the battle, and the Ark actually temporarily fell into Philistine hands. It caused them some pretty literally painful problems. And so they sent the Ark of the Covenant uh, back to Israel on a cart. And ever since then, it had been in the house of Abinadab. Now, in the meantime, Saul has become Israel's king, and David has now replaced him as king. Who do we know David as? How is he described in God's word? A man after God's own heart. And we see a glimpse of that heart here. David cares about what God cares about. Uh, He cares about God's glory, and he cares about God's presence. And that was symbolized in the Ark of the Covenant that God instructed Moses to make and and to be among God's people as a reminder of God's presence. David cares about it being where God would be glorified and where people would be blessed. David rightly wants the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem, and he's got a passionate motivation And verses 1 and 2 inform us that David assembled 30,000 of chosen men of Israel and he led them to Abinadab's home to retrieve the ark. The ark whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwells between the cherubims. David's passionate motivation here, uh, this goal and even the end result that he desires, is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's glorifying to God. It's good for God's people. There's nothing whatsoever wrong with it. In fact, there's everything right with it. The problem that we encounter in this passage isn't with David's passionate motivation. It's in David's pragmatic method. And that's what we find in verses 3 through 11. Look at verse 3. It says that um, they set the ark of God upon a new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. Now, we're not really told why this is a problem here. We have to go back in God's word to understand why David's pragmatic method has disastrous consequences in this passage. Is, is this how God had instructed Israel that the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried? No. Uh, God gave explicit, specific instructions to his people. Numbers 4.15 about transporting the Ark. He said, the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. See, the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried only by those from the tribe of Levi and only by the sons of Kohath who were part of that tribe. And only on the poles that God instructed them to make for its transportation. There's nothing about a cart, not not even a new cart, just a command from God saying, this is how it is to be done. There's no back page clause that says your mileage may vary. There's no, um, unless you come up with a better way of transporting it and achieve the same end. There's nothing like that in God's command. Just this is how I want it done. Now, does David have good intentions here? 
Does he have a passionate motivation? Yes, 100%. But the truth from God's word that we're presented here is that God cares just as much about how things are done as he does about things actually getting done. And what David desires done is the ark return to the whole of God's people so it can impact the whole of God's people. So they can be aware of the presence of God, to be reminded of it, to be empowered um, in their faith by it. The British evangelist and pastor Alan Redpath said, we want God's presence very much, don't we? That's a passionate motivation. That's a proper motivation. But he said, we like to hitch his presence sometimes to our new carts. We like to add him to our list of organizations to load him on top of the mechanics of our busy life and then drive, just like Uzanahu did here. And we need to wonder how much of our service is really in the energy of the flesh. So often we put forth our hands, but not our hearts. And there's the problem with pragmatism. We become more concerned about our hands when God is more concerned about our hearts. We get so focused in on the end result being achieved that we can forget or we can ignore that God is equally concerned with how, how it's achieved. Why in the world would David do this? It's pragmatic. Uh, it would sure get the ark to Jerusalem more quickly, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, if you put it on a cart, work, work smart, not hard. And then what we say? I mean, with advances in cart technology at that time, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? Why in the world wouldn't you? Uh, the goal is to get the symbol of God's presence back to where it belongs among God's people. So why in the world wouldn't we do it that way? And there's your answer. The world. How did the ark get to Abinadab's house in the first place? Well, the Philistines put it on a cart. <laughs> they did it before. Well, they got away with it. Kind of. Um, because they were Philistines. But God expects more from his people who have the revelation, his instructions that he's given them in his word. Um, we are to do things by the way of God's word, not by the way of the world. It's David's pragmatic method. That's the problem here. It's a good thing. <laughs> but it was being done the wrong way. And it is a problem, isn't it? Because verses 4 through 7 teach us where pragmatism leads. It's not a good end. It's a tragic end. So they set out, and this is a big production. Remember, 30,000 people, and we, we, we've got like praise uh, for God and celebration going on in this large parade, and there's nothing wrong with that. A passionate motivation should be displayed that way. But then we get to verse 6, and the oxen pulling the cart that never should have been used, they stumble. In verse 6, Uzzah sees the ark begin to fall off of the cart that it, it never should have been on. And what does Uzzah do? I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what Uzzah does. He just does what David did. Um, David's pragmatic way of thinking and method became Uzzah's. Well, why not? I don't want it to fall. God had commanded that no man should touch the ark. But Uzzah's spiritual and political leader, David, had decided that the end justifies the means, that details might not matter so much to God. And he reaches out his hand, the study of the Ark of the Covenant, Uzzah meets a tragic end. And so church leaders and parents and grandparents, whether you're a leader at home or work, please listen to what God is telling us here and learn from it. When we act in pragmatic methods, there are others watching us who will think like we think and who might end up doing what we do. 
Do you feel like this was a little much? Be honest. I do. I felt that way. Um, he was struck dead by God for, for a good thing. <laughs> he just did it the wrong way. I felt that way when coming to this passage before. And, and honestly, we're not alone. Verses 8 to 10 pretty much tell us that David had a similar confusion about it. Mind the world. How am I supposed to ever bring the ark back if, if this is what happens? But here's the reality about David and Uzzah's pragmatic method. Uzzah made a decision. He made it in the spur of the moment to disregard God's command and, and just do what seemed right to him. And we need to learn that even our decisions made quickly, they matter to God. Proverbs 4.12 tells us that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is a way of what? Death. Yeah. God's way matters. Uzzah's pragmatism was a problem because it showed that he didn't think it mattered who God said should carry the ark. Uzzah's pragmatism was a problem because it showed that he didn't think it mattered how God said the ark should be carried. Uzzah's pragmatism was a problem because it showed that he didn't think that God could take care of the ark by himself. Ultimately, Uzzah's pragmatism was a problem because it showed that he thought the ground of the threshing floor was less holy than his own hand. And Uzzah had good intentions, but he experienced the pain of pragmatism, as did David, for causing this whole mess. Uzzah displayed an insensibility to the holiness of God, to the word of God. In short, in what he did, Uzzah sinned. And we had better understand that there is no little sins. All of them are big because of who they are a rebellion towards. All of them are worthy of what God promised that they were worthy of. Death. I mean, he's been straightforward with us ever since Genesis 2. Um, we are not told here in this passage who Obed-Edom is. But it is important because it helps us understand why this situation eventually goes from bad to blessing. Um, there's a parallel passage. gives a lot more details in First Chronicles 26. And it's there that we get this information. Obed-Edom was a Levite. Not only that, he was a Levite from the sons of Kohath. So he's part of the family in the tribe of Levi that God had commanded to take care of the ark and to carry it in Numbers 4.15. And there's a problem with pragmatism. But when we do things God's way to achieve God's goals, there's blessing. And take notice of that in verses 12 and 13. David turns his passionate motivation. He makes corrections and he gets it accomplished in a proper manner. Verses 12 and 13. And again, this Second Samuel account, it's a lot more brief than First Chronicles 26. Uh, but it's the same event. And David realizes that the problem wasn't with God. And the problem wasn't with the ark or even David's passionate motivation. It was all in David's pragmatic method. Once he realizes that the, the ark was designed to be a blessing um, to God. And, and that blessing was currently being enjoyed by Obed-Edom. David sends for the ark. But this time, he transports it in the proper manner. In 1 Chronicles 15, after assembling the Levites for a second go-round, David instructs the Kohathites about their responsibility in carrying the ark. He explains to them why what happened before happened. And 1 Chronicles 26, 15 says this, And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. And here in 2 Samuel 6, verses 12 to 13, record the same thing for us, just more briefly. David does all that God commanded, 
and beyond. Actually, in verse 13, they, they go six steps and they make sacrifices. They go six steps and make sacrifices. And this time, David does it according to the word of the Lord. And that's a ticket, isn't it? According to the word of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing when we have a passionate motivation to see God glorified and to receive good from his hand. I mean, what a, a perfect end result that desire can achieve. Don't give up on passionate motivation. But, but God is not just concerned about the end. He's concerned about how we get there. He wants worship done his way. Isn't that what Saul had to learn? That to obey is, is better than sacrifice? And if God has our hearts, he's going to have our hands. But if we get that order reversed, we are literally putting the cart before the horse, or in this thing, the oxen, cart before the oxen. Uh, God cares about our intentions and our actions. And Christian, there's a problem with pragmatism. There, there's eventually pain. There's always pain on some level with pragmatism. A passionate motivation, it has to be undertaken in a proper manner, according to the word of the Lord. There's only one way to prevent bad and proceed to blessing, but going God's way. And so tonight I encourage you, if you've been attempting something for the Lord and you've got the best of intentions, you've got this, he's giving you this passionate motivation to see it done. But if you've been doing it outside of God's way, won't you confess that tonight and tell God that, look, from here on out, no, I'm going to do it your way. We're going to do it your way in the proper manner, according to his word. As Tommy and the praise team come, we'll just sing a, a song or two. May that be our, our lifelong commitment, not just tonight, but our lifelong commitment.